Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I'm your host, Ren Robbins, and I'm excited that you're here. This is the place where you will feel encouraged as I share with you my friends' God stories. Whether you are on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or taking me along with you on your walk, I pray that you will feel seen by God and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. Let's jump in. Hey friend, welcome back to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I am so excited you are joining me because today is very special. I have my friends Michael and Christy Pritchard on the show with me. And so welcome guys. Hey Ren, how are you today? Hey friend. Hey, so we are excited because I'm excited, super excited because my friends that I've known for a while now, we're all talking on the podcast uh, about their new podcast and their story. So I'm really, really excited to have y'all here today. Well, Ren, it's still kind of crazy that we've got a podcast. We're on your podcast. We, <laughs> I have loved listening to yours and enjoyed learning about a day planner not too long ago, the soul planner that helped me think about some stuff for the fall. So we're glad we get to uh, join you. Yay. Cool. Yeah, that was a great one. I love that. I'm like, can I order that planner immediately? My mom's like, I want one too. I want one too. I'm like, okay. So that's awesome. Okay. So I'm going to read your bio. So if anyone out there does not know my friends, Christy and Michael, but let's go for it. Here we go. So Michael and Christy Pritchard live in Memphis, Tennessee with their two sons, Zachary and Daniel. Michael is a native Memphian while Christy claims small town South Mississippi as her roots. Between them, they have 29 years of ministry experience with all ages, ranging from young children to college students. They have ministered within the context of churches, university campuses, mission fields, camps, and retreats. By sharing authentic stories from their unique journey and offering practical next steps, Michael and Christy seek to remind parents they are not alone in their parenting journey. Wow. Okay. So the 29 years of experience blew me away. I mean, we're not that old, right? <laughs> Speak for yourself. I know. Well, we're the same age, Michael. Hello. <laughs> no, I mean, that is incredible. That is an incredible. I know y'all met down in Mississippi. Uh, I feel like I need to say down in Mississippi and up to no good, but no. Um, but Christy, Christy is from Mississippi. And then Michael, you went to college down in Mississippi College. So tell me a little bit about how y'all met. Well, we both worked at Mississippi College after I graduated, and I was an admissions counselor. Christy was the BSU director there at MC, and we became friends, and we were neighbors. We lived in the same neighborhood uh, for a while, so that's really where our friendship and eventual relationship kind of started. Okay. All right. I wasn't sure. I, I forgot y'all did work together. That's awesome. Okay. So I want to share how we all know each other, because Michael and I grew up um, together. So we grew up going to the same church together. And then um, Christy and I met because of part of your story when y'all were walking through infertility. Um, there was uh, so a couple, a little small group of us that were meeting together and really seeking the Lord and uh, a prayer group, but also just studying the Bible of women that had walked through infertility uh, in the Bible. So Christy and I met and I fell in love with her and I was like, Michael did good. Michael did good. 
That so, I did. That I did. I thought you were pretty awesome as well, Ren. No, it wasn't no, a one-sided it, thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how I got to know you, Christy, and then just have seen y'all minister. And so neat because uh, when y'all, we had the pandemic last year at church, where we go to church, uh, Michael, you were the director of uh, the pastor for fourth and fifth grade students, and you were one of the blessed individual individuals that you got to share and really preach to, to the family worship, the family worship attenders, which were us, we would sit at big tables. We were six feet apart. Some were masked. And um, it was such a blessing for our family. I can't even tell you with just the three of us, it was such a blessing. Um, and so it was neat to kind of have that full circle that we would actually get to have that, you know, you were pouring into my son who was only eight, even though he wasn't fourth and fifth grade, you were still pouring into him and us as well. So that was kind of super neat of the Lord. You know, that that was quite the challenge of trying to come up with messages that would captivate young kids, but also challenge parents all at the same time. Yeah, it was great. It was really good. Practical and all the things. So, um, okay, so let's let's jump in. I want y'all to tell me in just like three minutes or less. I know, like really, Ren, three minutes or less. How are you doing this? <laughs> but uh, of how your family went from you two to four of you within weeks. I mean, it was going to be, I mean, we could even say like within days. I mean, it was so fast. So tell us how that happened. Well, like you said, you and I met when we were on the journey of infertility. We had um, very soon before we met, Michael and I had walked through a miscarriage and um, we're told that we it, it should be no problem for us to get pregnant again. But as you know, it was a challenge and it was a problem. And so after about a year of infertility, we felt like God was giving us the green light to pursue adoption at that point. And if you know anything about adoption, it can take anywhere from one year to five years, depending on. And so we were really kind of on that time frame of, okay, it's going to be at least a year. And they had said, it'll probably be a newborn, the agency we were working with. And so we were both on staff at the church. We were in the midst of summer being on student ministry staff, which is always busy. And this phone call came after about five, six months in the process. Yeah. And we were, I was preaching at a camp. Christy was at a local missions uh, project and they were like, Hey, we might have a potential child for you. Would y'all be open to that? And we talked about it that weekend. We decided we were, and then we went off on another trip to DC and while we were there, right when we landed, we found out that there was one little boy that needed to be adopted. And Christy went home, quit her job, and we, we got ready in about a week or so. And it wasn't a newborn. It was a two-year-old. Yeah, it was a two-year-old. Mm -hmm. And then the day we were supposed to pick him up, we got a phone call again from the, the adoption agency going, hey, the birth mom just let us know that this little boy has a six month old little brother, would you be willing to adopt him as well? And hey, we need to know in about an hour. So <laughs> so it was kind wow. of a crazy day. By the end <laughs> of that day, the whole adoption had actually fallen apart. Mm -hmm. And so we started the day thinking we were going to get one child. By the middle of the day, we thought we were getting two child. By the end of the day, it was none. But over the next two weeks, the Lord used several people to kind of iron out Um the things that were keeping us from bringing the boys home. So 
in about two, two and a half weeks, the boys were able to come home with us. So they are birth half brothers and they came home on the same day. And that was, we, we just celebrated nine years with them. So that was nine years ago and our lives have never been quiet we, since. We've never had a quiet day since. <laughs> no. I remember hearing uh, on y'all's podcast how it was, you know, it was like, well, what do we do for the rest of the day when you first got the boys? Yes. Like, okay, what do we do? And now it's like, nah, we, we don't have to ask that anymore. Like, <laughs> no, they we don't hear that. that. That question. Yeah, we do. We got in the car and looked in the seat. Michael and I both looked in the rearview mirror and you have these two small children and we were like, what do we do? And they, like you said, we, they answered that question for us and yeah. we've been doing ever since. <laughs> so. As kids will do. For yes. Sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So during that process, Michael, you, this was something that struck me so much about your story that I did not remember. And it was that you, when y'all were in the midst of, you know, do you want, are you open for this birth mom to, to, to look at your book and all, all the things. And then are you willing to take two children uh, I remember hearing you, Michael, say that you went and sat down and wrote in your journal how many times and how many things came to mind when God was faithful to you and faithful to Christy and faithful to your family. And so tell me a little bit about that. Oh, you know, it is that was such a crucial point in in that in that decision because that conversation there were a lot of tears. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of, oh my word, what are we supposed to do with this? They're asking us to make a life altering decision to take care of another human being for the, you know, the rest of our lives. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, and so we, we, we just struggled through that, but eventually I thought back and I thought back on this whole journey of what the Lord had already done for me and us, because I, I really feel strongly about that whenever we're faced with these major decisions and the Lord is calling us to make some sort of decision, that we need to make those decisions based upon faith and not fear. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that anybody else in our decision should have made that choice that we did, but we really believe in that moment that the Lord took us through all of those things He had already done to remind us that, hey, if we're going to take this child, he's going to provide for this child because he's always provided in the past. And I can tell you with confidence now that as we look back on these last nine years, because our journey with Daniel has been much harder than we would have ever expected, the Lord has provided every single time. And, and Christy and I, we say every time Daniel's needed more, the Lord has provided more every single time because he's had a difficult journey and it's been hard for us. But the Lord has proven himself faithful. Mm. I love that you said that about the faithfulness of God and how, you know, as podcasters, y'all are encouraging families and encouraging them in their walks with Jesus, but also in the parenting. Uh, it's parenting is hard. It's a hard spot to be in. And you mentioned Daniel and you mentioned um, just the struggles that he has had. Can you tell me a little bit of how you knew that he was on the autism spectrum, you know, as parents, as, you know, a, adoptive parents and you're, and you're welcoming these boys into your family and God is making y'all knit together as a family. And then you realize that there are maybe a couple of different issues that he's having that he's struggling with. So how did you really see without getting too personal, how did you know that there were some um, issues with 
with with Daniel? Well, let me say, first of all, ironically, when we were going through the adoption process, the one thing that we told the agency that we did not feel comfortable with was special needs. We said whatever age, we said whatever ethnic background. We thought we were mm-hmm. totally open. But the one thing was we are not equipped for special needs. Mm-hmm. And I think at the, I don't know what the Lord did at that time. <laughs> Laugh. I don't know. Uh-huh. I'm not really sure. But um, Daniel was six months old when he came home to us. And I think probably the first thing that we started noticing were the lack of verbal sounds. And I realized that kids don't start talking until, you know, they're not talking at six months, but they are making some type of verbiage. And Daniel just wasn't doing that. But we didn't think a ton about it because we never had an infant before. And so we didn't know the milestones yet. Mm -hmm. Um, He was a little delayed in his crawling, little delayed in his walking. Um, We started noticing delays in his um, fine motor skills and some of his larger motor skills. But the big thing was we just weren't getting any type of verbal sounds like a normal infant or toddler would give us. Except for screaming. There he were... really had screaming mm-hmm. down pat. He was an expert <laughs> on that, but we just weren't getting any words to go with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, because we were brand new parents, we really didn't know what we were looking for. And sure. so, um, so delays. There were just mm. significant delays. And we had a sweet friend that came into our house that actually um, works with special needs kids. And I just brought her in and said, what am I looking for? And mm-hmm. she at that point was like, I think he's going to walk like within a week, like what he's doing right now. Um, you know, but she said, let's talk in about a month or two and let's mm-hmm. see what's going on. And so we did. And she said, let's start him in our state. Tennessee has a wonderful early intervention program. And she said, let's start him on some early intervention, which is where the state pays for trained therapists to come into your home. So we started on occupational therapy. We started on speech therapy and we started on behavior therapy. And they were really great. God, God sent um, believers in our home in the form of these therapists. They were all believers, which was awesome. And um, they really helped, I think, prepare us and get us ready to say we might be looking at autism here. But one of the things that I would say to parents is don't try to get, don't search for that autism diagnosis too early. Like we did not get the official diagnosis until he was five years old. And I was really glad that we waited because I think sometimes um, parents or therapists, whoever can kind of jump to conclusions too early on. And um, I was glad those therapists really said, let's wait. Let's wait before we take him to the psychologist. Let's wait for all this and play out. And it wasn't until it was time for him to go to schools and start kindergarten that we kind of pulled the trigger and said, let's get some tests run and let's see. And that was really, he did not start talking and really using words until right a few months before he turned six. And so that was that was the moment when we began to see some of that. Now we hear him talk all the time, but for six years of his life, yeah. we we'd never heard any words. And so that was that was a very difficult part mm-hmm. of that chapter. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I was going to ask, you know, as parents, you know, as as parents who have waited for a long time to have kids, and and then this happens, how did you deal with it inside? <laughs> you know, you know, Ren, that is that's one of those questions where 
you know, some days you just make it the best you can. There were many days that we got to the end of the day and we were just happy we made it to the end. Mm -hmm. Daniel may have screamed the whole day. Uh, Zachary might have been, you know, a a typical four-year-old or Mm three-year-old and dealing with all those issues and, and all of that. But there really were those days that we would have to come together and just cry together, weep together, tell each other how we truly felt, how painful it had been, how hard it had been uh, to help us stay connected. Because when you're sometimes on the receiving end of that amount of struggle, it can be really difficult for your relationship with your spouse. And so we had to work really hard over the years to make sure that we stayed connected to each other. The statistics of marriages falling apart as a result of having a special needs child is really sad, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. It does place a strain on and, the and marriage. And it's not the child's fault. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not their fault. It's just, it's just hard. It's just difficult. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say, too, that there's a grieving process that has mm-hmm. to occur, and in fact, we were talking about this. This will probably be a podcast episode in itself for mm-hmm. us that you have to grieve the dreams that you had for your child that you realize will never come to fruition. Because mm-hmm. all of us as parents have this image or this dream of what our child is going to, the big picture of what our child's life is going to look like and, and where it's going to go and the journey they're going to take. But when you have a special needs child, you have to come to the realization of, okay, those dreams are not going to happen. Those dreams will not unfold. And there's a grief process that occurs along with that. And, um, but the hope is, is, is that you come out on the other side of that grief process, redefining those dreams mm-hmm. and realizing that just like for any other child, that God has a purpose for your child, that God can still impact his kingdom through the life of that child. And those special needs are not going to get in the way of God. He will actually use them. Now, are there days that you think, God, how in the world can you use those needs? (laughs) There there have been days that we have, or I'll speak for myself. I've been angry with the Lord. I have uh, struggled with the Lord. I have cried before him and I have wept and begged him to help my boy in certain ways. And, you know, The Lord hasn't done that as much as I would want him to do in certain aspects. But the Lord has still proven himself faithful. And everything that Daniel has ever needed, the Lord has provided that. Anytime we needed a different counselor or therapist or new school or new teacher, uh, there was a time where his his therapy costs were more than our mortgage. Uh, Every single time, the Lord provided. And and the Lord has proven himself faithful and we know that he will continue to do so. Well, and I love that y'all keep pointing back to the character of God and how you point back to the faithfulness and the provision. How do you show your boys that? How do you show the character of God? Is there any practical things that y'all do with we your We do kids? in-depth 30-minute Bible studies <laughs> every day. Using the, yeah, original, right. using the original Greek and Hebrew. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. we've got two hyperactive boys, right? And <laughs> yeah. so uh, a few things that we do 
each morning during school, I try and sit down with Zachary before he goes to school, and we are reading one chapter of scripture each morning before he goes off. And then we just briefly talk about it. Again, he's an 11-year-old boy. It's not like we're spending 45 minutes doing this. We just read a chapter. And then I ask him a few questions and we talk through it. And then we head off to uh, breakfast because I'm trying to, I want him to develop that habit of reading scripture for himself. Uh, And then with Daniel, you know, teaching Daniel sometimes it's, you know, it's a, it's a little bit more of a challenge, but we really try to celebrate anytime he moves forward. Anytime he makes, he, he hits a milestone or a new word, we will learn this word uh, this week, an inch stone. We celebrate, we celebrate really big because we know that's how the father celebrates whenever we move forward. So we want to show that to him. Uh, but then with both of our boys, you know, they don't always make the best choices. You know, they're boys. And sometimes we have to deal with that. And it's not always easy. It's not always pleasant. But always at the end, what we try and say is we go Zachary or go Daniel. Hey, no matter what, I will always love you. No matter what, I will always love you. Because we adopted them into their family. They didn't do anything to earn their way into our family. And they're not going to do anything to earn their way out of our family. Just the way that the Lord treats us. And so we try in those physical manners to show the Lord's character through how we treat and come across with our children as well. So that they're going to pick those things up all throughout the years. Mm. Well, I love that you said the word celebrate because this also refers back to something that y'all do as a family. And there was an episode on your podcast recently where y'all were celebrating a win. And so that's kind of like the phrase now is celebrate the win. But what it is, is like that inch stone, the milestones that y'all can see in Daniel's life or just in your family. And so I love that how you explained it on that episode that it just, whatever is moving your family forward. And so I was listening to it Friday. I was picking my son up from school and I was like, we're going to do that tonight. We're going to have a celebrate your win party tonight. We're going to go make brownies. We're going to go, I mean, like simple. I wasn't going to be like, I'm going to make this elaborate meal because No, ma'am, that's not going to (laughs) happen. But like, I was like, I'll make brownies. Let's go get ice cream. Let's make it special. And we, we came home. I told my son about it and we just did it. And it was the neatest thing. It was so good. We talked about our wins and it was so simple, but yet so impactful that like, we're going to do it every Friday night. (laughs) <laughs> like, uh, that we expect just our invite. We yeah. expect our invite, okay, yeah. friends? Yeah. <laughs> it was just brownies. really fun. Well, and I just, yeah, the brownies. And so I just love that y'all were celebrating the wins of your family. And you have a picture on social media. And uh, it is of your boys and Michael throwing the football. And it's actually of, tell me a little bit about what what it is. I don't want to spoil it's, it. It's just a ahead. game of beach football where for so many years, Daniel never included himself while Zachary and I would play sports. He was just in his own little world. But slowly with time, he began to include himself. And it was on this trip to the beach that he really just jumped in. And I gave him the ball and he ran for a touchdown. And you could just see the joy on his face from he knew he was a part Mm. Zachary was actually filled with joy, even though his brother was scoring because he's pretty competitive. (laughs) But he knew in that moment that was really good for his brother to be able to do that. And then for me in that picture, I'm celebrating him because 
I had been walking through that grieving process of what I had always thought his future would be. And instead of comparing him to someone else, I was just happy in that moment for what he was accomplishing. And so it's just one of those special pictures uh, that we have. And in fact, I just realized it's the picture right behind us up there. Uh, I see it. On the <laughs> well, and Christy was taking the picture. I was. So I was. You were there too. Well, yes, I. Um, when I saw that Daniel had decided to participate, I did grab the camera because I was like, I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't know if it will ever happen again. So we are going to mm -hmm. document it. And I was able to snap a, a photo that, and it, it was one of those times, and you've been there, where you snap the picture and you instantly know this is mm -hmm. a good picture. And, mm -hmm. and, um, and it was, and I'm, but I'm glad to say that we have seen him. We have seen him participate. He, there are so many more times now that he will jump in and play with his dad. I remember Michael saying one time, I think I'm going to have to resolve that I will only get to play sports with one of my boys. And mm -hmm. it's so neat to see um, Daniel having a desire to participate now. And he, like any other younger brother mimics everything his older brother does, whether it be Zachary loves it. Totally. Yeah. Loves it. <laughs> that. Um, whether it be sports, whether it be dance moves, whether, I mean, whether it be disobeying mom and dad, whatever it is, he's gonna, <laughs> he is copying his brother. And that gives us so much hope because that's what little brothers mm. do. And yeah. so there's so much more of a desire now to be a part of the life that we are all living together. So it's really neat. Well, I love that y'all celebrate that and celebrate the differences that Daniel has. And there's something else that's different about your family. Y'all are a transracial family. What? So we are. Tell me. <laughs> you're like, what? Did you did you know that? So tell me. Okay, so I know you had another episode about should we train our kids to be colorblind? And so tell me a little bit about that and the conclusion that you came to after visiting a barber shop. <laughs> I don't want to give it away because I want people to go listen to your <laughs> podcast about that. But in a nutshell, tell me about it. Oh, goodness. You know, walking into an African-American barbershop when you've never been in one in your entire life, it was a little <laughs> nerve wracking. And to this day, every once in a while, I still get a little nervous. But, you know, just in that experience, learning about you know, we've always known cultures are different, are, are different. We've always known that, you know, white culture, black culture, Hispanic culture. Yeah, we've always known that that it's different, but we've never lived it. We've never lived it. And so in the process of raising our boys, we began asking the question, how do we see the world through their eyes instead of our own eyes? And how do we need to interpret things not from a white perspective, but from uh, a black perspective. And one of our sons is half Hispanic, so from a Hispanic perspective. And that causes us, and you know what? Sometimes it's a little uncomfortable. It's a little uncomfortable to try and mm -hmm. view the world through someone else's eyes, but we've come to realize that we need to look at that more. We need to understand that society may look a little bit different from someone else's perspective. And our experience with the barbershop and those men have always been so kind to us, but really learning. We need to make sure that we appreciate the differences in culture because there's value in that. We don't need to try and erase 
the history and backgrounds of another culture by saying, hey, I don't even see your color. Well, we're erasing so much of what is important to them because it's their history. It's their culture that they're bringing into. And so we want to value that and recognize that in other people. And it kind of started with us having to ask the question when the Lord did give us to sons of another color, are we going to raise them as white boys? Are we going to raise them as African-American, Hispanic boys? Like, how are we going to raise them? And, and I think for me, that kind of started the process of going, wait, I don't think I'm supposed to raise them as white boys because they're not white boys. And I think we in the church grew up, think we in the church grew up thinking it is right to be colorblind. You're not supposed to see color. Everybody is equal in God's eyes. And everybody is equal in God's eyes, but we're different too. Like God created the different colors. He's not erasing the colors. So mm. why do we erase the colors? And we're not supposed to. And so we're a, our family is just really different in all kinds of ways. And one of them is, is that we're trying to have a white household combined with a black household combined with a Hispanic household. Now, how that comes out, sometimes we never know. We're the all-American family. <laughs> well, and I was going to ask a question about like, how, how do we, what would you say to the parents that maybe like are just one race? How do they need to really kind of explain that to their kids and say, hey, we are all unique. God created us all unique. Like, how do we teach that to, to be colorblind, but also to celebrate those differences? You know, I think the, the best way to do that is relationships with other families who look different from you. I think that is going to be one of the best ways to show your children and teach them to value other people that look different from them. Because studies have shown, we used to always think, hey, kids are just you know colorblind, they don't notice it. But really, it's found out that kids, they gravitate to other kids that look like them. So it doesn't even matter it so much, even if you put them around kids of, that look differently, they still need those conversations, they still need that teaching to help them see that other races are just as valuable as their own. And so that comes through relationships. That comes through inviting a black family into your house or trying to connect with them in your neighborhood or at their school or, or things like that. Uh, I think those relationships are such a key part. And Michael, like Michael said, have conversations with your children. And I think that we as parents come into it with a lot of baggage. Because we've grown up with some uh, events that maybe our children didn't witness or, you know, conversations with, with our parents that um, that might have formed our thoughts. And we have to remember our kids don't have baggage. And so it's not a big deal for them to have these conversations. If you think about it, we have conversations with our children all the time about things that they do not know. But because they trust us. They trust the conversation. And so I think that's what makes race conversations so beautiful with children is because they're open to having them and they don't have any baggage coming into mm. it. And so whatever mom and dad say, they're like, oh, okay, you know, kind of thing. And the earlier you start, the less awkward it is as they get older. Mm. I love that y'all said that because I think that's really wise of you to say. And um, Christy, there's something else that you've said on your podcast about the messy middle. We've talked about, you know, 
uh, y'all's story and your God story. I love having people come on the, sh and the show and share about their God story. And, you know, every story looks different, but every story, there's some really good parts and then there's some messy parts. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like as as a hu you know, human nature is to be like, oh, hide the messy, hide yeah. the messy. No, we don't mm -hmm. want to show that. But you said this, which it was like, drops mic. I mean, even Michael was like, whoa, Christy with the, you know, with the one liners there. I mean, it was, it was great. But you said you're not messing up if the middle is messy. Mm -hmm. like, I know. Wasn't that me. strong? That <laughs> yeah. Was strong I was like, that there. was powerful. And um, I mean, I've always thought of Michael as the speaker, but here Christy is coming <laughs> in. Christy's a long history of speaking. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, but, uh, but so tell me, what would you, what would you say, Christy, to the mom that's in the trenches right now? And it could be her family looks like you and mm -hmm. that she has a child with special needs mm -hmm. or in the process of finding that out. Or maybe she looks like you where she has adopted a child mm -hmm. or maybe she looks like y'all and she is in a transracial family. Tell me, what would you say to her if she's just like, am I, whatever I'm doing, it does it even matter? What would you say to her? Yeah, I would say the same thing to her that I would say to the mom of a typical family. And I have two pieces of advice, both of which I did not do well in the early days, both of which I have so had to learn along the way. And the first one is give yourself so much grace. Give yourself grace and realize that the learning curve of parenthood is huge, no matter what you're walking through. You know, you mentioned earlier, parenting is hard. Ren, I look back on my life and the Lord has allowed me to walk through a lot of challenging stuff. But parenting is the hardest thing I have ever done in my <laughs> entire life. It's also one of the most wonderful things. Don't get me wrong, but it's yeah. hard. And so the, the learning curve is huge. And we have as moms and as dads have got to offer ourselves grace. We have got to realize we do not know it all. We also need to realize that ultimately, and this comes under the grace part, that ultimately they are the Lord's children. Like mm -hmm. so many times Michael would come home at the end of the day and I'd be like, I've messed them up. I've messed them up permanently. Like they're not going to get over <laughs> this. And I yeah. think that every mom has felt that at least one day oh, yeah. of her life, oh, yeah. if not five out of every seven days of her life. And, <laughs> yes. And, That's the opposite of dads. We're like, yeah, we did a great job today. We're good. <laughs> and so just, just reminding ourselves that ultimately it is God that is growing our children, you know? And so he is going to protect them from us. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so just saying it's okay. Ren, I don't know if you remember, but before the boys came home, I was in full-time girls ministry at our church. And I wish I could call up every mother that I counseled and apologize <laughs> to her and say, I don't think I like told you, I don't think I was heretical in my advice to you, but I would really, I wish I'd couched it with more grace. I wish I'd started off by saying, I don't know you, but I know you're doing a fabulous job. And I wish I'd ended mm. with, um, keep going. You can do this, do it one day at a time. So I think just give yourself a whole lot of grace. The second thing I would say is, stay connected because you and I both know in, in motherhood, you are, you are very focused on your children and you can go five, six, seven days, four weeks sometimes and think, I haven't talked to another friend. Like I haven't, I haven't talked to another lady, my own age about something, not about my kids in, mm -hmm. in multiple days. 
And I'm constantly having to remind myself, even at this stage of the game, after nine years, I'm constantly having to say, have girl time, have friend time, talk to somebody. And even, you know, our family is very unique. So finding another girlfriend that has a situation like my own might be hard sometimes. But you know what? It's okay if not everybody can empathize with you because you have friends that can sympathize with you. And that, mm. you know what? It's good. Sympathy is a good thing. And just having friends that will listen to you and go, oh, yeah, I felt that. Oh, yeah, I get that. Celebrate the wins with you. You know, the ones that you can go off and go shopping with and have coffee with. So give yourself grace. Stay connected with other girls. Those would be my two things. That's good advice. Michael, what would you say to the dads besides like, you're doing awesome? <laughs> well, we have to stay confident in our abilities here <laughs> with, and not admit defeat ever, uh, especially to the boys. Uh, uh -huh. You know, with, with dads, I think the a big thing is one, remembering that you're part of a team, that you're a part of a team, typically if you're married with, uh, with your wife and not to try and solve everything on your own. And, and a big way of doing that is by letting your wife know what's going on inside of your mind. You know, during, we've had so many years for us, <laughs> you know, of the messy middle. And I had to learn over time to let Christy in on when I was struggling, on what I was thinking, on when I was filled with despair or when I was filled with fear. And naturally, I wanted to keep all that to myself. That's how I started in our marriage. But I've learned over time that I need to let Christy be a part of that. And what that, what that has done over the years is keep us connected. Uh, because the best thing for children when the middle is messy is when their parents are are solidly connected to each other. That's the best thing we can give our children. And, and the easiest way for us to do that is to make sure I'm communicating with my wife. Wow, that's good. That's good. Awesome. Woo, so much. I mean, we have packed in all of it. <laughs> so I want to know, tell us where we can find your podcast and then what is next for Christy and Michael Pritchard? Oh, well, you can find our podcast on any of the podcasting apps. So it's called Diapers to Diplomas. And what's next for us? Well, first, we, we need to keep our kids in school. That's what <laughs> that's that, these days. We're just trying to keep our kids in school. Right. Uh -huh. Right. <laughs> but we are we're continuing to work on growing the podcast here. This is our new little venture. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm also working on a book right now that I'm hoping to finish uh, later on this year about my journey uh, with Daniel. And so that's uh, the other project that we're working mm -hmm. on right now. Very cool. Okay. So at the end of each episode, I ask my guests, what are they eating, reading, and loving? Because y'all know me. I like to eat. So. Okay. So tell me real fast, what are y'all eating? Um, my newest thing is rice bowls. I know that sounds crazy, oh, but yeah. I'm telling you, those are the best things. You throw rice in a bowl, brown or white, throw some vegetables in there and some type of protein. And luckily, the bo all of my boys like those too. So at least once a week, we are eating some type of rice bowl. I'm all about them. Yeah, I'm enjoying oh, grilling pork chops uh, <laughs> outside. I've, I've been learning to do that this year. They've been pretty good. Okay, so he's eating, good. eating pork chops, I guess. Okay, so are so is this grill or is it like a griddle or oh, what? on the grill outside? Yeah, on the grill. Okay, mm -hmm. perfect. Okay, what are y'all reading? 
We are actually in the same series right now. Ooh. So um, we both have a love for reading and we're trying to instill that within the boys. And so our 11 year old right now is kind of getting into the all of the preteen type books. And so we actually read along with him. So right now nice. we are both reading the Green Ember series. A friend, Catherine Mayo, recommended that to us. By S.D. Smith. And okay. um, Michael and I actually enjoy teen fiction. <laughs> oh yeah. So oh, give me that any day of the week, right? <laughs> and so um so it's a four book series and okay. I think you finished number three. I'm on number yes. two. And okay. I'm yeah. winning. I'm He's winning, winning <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's not a competition though, right? Oh no it is. It <laughs> is. <laughs> it totally is. Okay. So what are y'all loving? Anything that you're loving? Our boys being back in school. Great <laughs> girl. Hurry. <laughs> No, seriously, we are very thankful for that and and no, getting to get yeah. caught up and get organized um, in life and maybe plan ahead even a little bit on podcasting and book and all that fun stuff, like kind of coming up with a plan. You know, I'm loving uh, my Wall Street Journal subscription. So <laughs> at, at some point I went old school and stopped really getting my news online and I started getting a paper because I'm like 80 apparently. <laughs> uh, apparently. But I love it. I love It's in depth. Awesome. It doesn't go to either of the extremes. It's, you know, and, and, and I love yeah. it also. I leave it on the counter. Zachary starts reading it. So we have good conversation about the news. He reads stuff awesome. and then we talk about it. Nothing Wonderful. like walking in and see your 11 year old with the Wall Street Journal spread out in front of him. Right? <laughs> yeah. Let's let's do a seminar on that. Yeah. <laughs> he might be scared. We'll have to see. Man. Okay. And y'all are also on social media. Tell us where we can find you there. Yeah. So you can find us both on Facebook and Instagram, Michael Pritchard901 or Christy Pritchard 901. Mm -hmm. And our website is diapersdodiplomas.com. Awesome. Hey, y'all go check out their podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. This was incredible. I can't wait to hear more about your book, Michael, and then all of the adventures that y'all have in parenting on your podcast. So thanks for joining me today, y'all. Thank you for joining me for today's show. For more encouragement, hop on over to Instagram at Friends of a Feather Podcast. I would love for you to send me a direct message and say hi. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. Remember, we are all friends of a feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends.